Hey everybody, you are listening to today's episode of the History of the Entire World, and in this episode we are going to be discussing medieval European history. This episode is going to be approximately 20 minutes long, and hopefully by the end you'll have a better understanding of the subject. The first subject is about the 100 Years War, which interestingly didn't actually last for 100 years, but actually lasted 116 years. This is because the two countries weren't fighting for the entire time, but actually had to take breaks because they would run out of money and couldn't fund their army. The English would win in the beginning because they had the Welsh longbowmen, which were able to hit the French soldiers from a very far away, stopping the French knights from getting close to them. They would do this for a while and were actually able to capture Paris. Then the French were able to develop things such as the crossbow and early gunpowder weapons, which allowed them to equip a large force of peasants and and make the English leave France, and they would never... The Roman Empire was ruled by an emperor who was elected by a council of electors who would vote on the candidate, and the, pers- and the person who got the majority of the votes would become the Holy Roman Emperor. The only problem was the Holy Roman Emperor was Holy Roman Empire was made up of a mess of duchies, kingdoms, vassal states, and other places in places ruled by bishops and abbots. This made the empire very decentralized, and the empire always had to put down revolts and had a hard time keeping all these people together. The only really thing that was keeping them together was the fear of being invaded and the big scary Austrian army. The empire survived for a thousand years like this somehow and was only dissolved because Napoleon invaded and forced the empire to dissolve the empire in 1806. The subject is about Pope Innocent III and the absolute disaster that was the Fourth Crusade. Pope Innocent started off his time as Pope by fighting a civil war with a bunch of other people over who should get to be the Holy Roman Emperor and after that was all over he decided that he could call a crusade and he would be able to unite all the countries in Europe to start fi- stop fighting each other and go fight in the Holy Land. The Pope decided that he would be the one to organize this and he would take all the responsibility for the outcome. Now, a basic summary of the Fourth Crusade. The armies of Europe needed some boats to sail over to, Holy Land, to, to, the, to the Holy Land, so they asked the leader of Venice to get if they could have some boats. So he gave them some boats, but he accidentally gave them too many and now they had to figure out a way to pay off all their debts. They had So the leader of Venice told them he would forget about all their debts if they just go and attack this city in the Byzantine Empire. So the Crusaders attacked the city in the Byzantine Empire and sacked it and stole all of the stuff in there. After this was done, the Byzantine Empire er, Emperor said that he would invite them over to Constantinople, the capital of the Byzantine Empire, and be able to help them out there and pay them off there. Well, after a while, he didn't have enough money to actually pay them off, so the Crusaders just decided that they were to go in, going to go and sack the city of Constantinople. This naturally made everybody mad, but the Pope actually had no clue about this. So when word got back to him, he was a little more than just shocked. Now, what you can learn from this is that you shouldn't trust Crusaders to come into your city, because they will probably sack it. Alright, so our fourth subject is going to be about what caused the Protestant Reformation. What, one of the main and leading causes of this was the church was selling these things called indulgences, was bas- which were basically just a free pass to heaven, where if you paid the church a certain amount of money, you'd get a free pass to heaven. And a lot of people really didn't like this, and one person that really didn't was a, a German monk named, named Martin Luther, 
And what he did to protest this was he nailed his, he wrote a paper about it and nailed this paper onto the local church. And this created us um, a chain of events that led to a lot of people leaving the Catholic Church and forming their own branches of Christianity. And this caused a lot of religious tension that lasted for centuries. And, to, and in some ways it helped make both sides better, where it made some people be able to do what they want to do, and it made the Catholic Church stop doing things like selling indulgences. And, uh, and a, an effect of the revolu- Protestant Revolution was that they translated the Bible into other languages other than just Latin, so now anybody could learn stuff from the Bible, not just your priest, so you could interpret it the way you wanted to. Topic is going to be about why did the why did the French and the English fight a lot of wars against each other? One of the major reasons is because the man who conquered England in ten sixty six, William the Conqueror was was also the Duke of Normandy, which technically made him one of the vassals of the French king. This caused a lot of debates further on when the king of England would try and do some stuff, and then the French king would say, "No, you can't do that because you're my." You're my vassal. So they would go to war several times, and one of the biggest wars was the Hundred Years' War, which was a result of the English king saying that he wasn't the French king's vassal and that actually he should be the French king, so they went to war over this for a while. And then his descendants fought the French, and the French king's descendants fought the English for a very long time. And... There was a lot of bad blood between the two of them for a very long time. And actually, the English king still claimed that he was the king of France until the the early 1800s, when he France anymore. The fifth topic is going to be about the Vikings. The Vikings were named after one of the old English words for pirate. And what they did is they were people from the Scandinavian countries, so like Norway, Sweden, and Denmark. And what they would do is they would come in and raid the whole place. They would particularly like to raid monasteries because monasteries were guarded by only a bunch of monks with vows of nonviolence. So they basically could do nothing to fight back. So the Vikings would swoop in raid the monastery, take all of its gold, and sell all of the people there into slavery, which is a really terrible thing, but the Vikings didn't really care. And there's a lot of theories on to why the Vikings started raiding. One of the main theories is that there wasn't a lot of arable farmland in, in Scandinavia, so they started leaving their homeland to try and find better farmland. But basically, for a very long time, they would raid mostly England and France, and raid monasteries and they did this for quite a long time and the vikings had a lot of different like in the beginning there was not really one kingdom of there was no norway there was no sweden and there was no denmark it was just a bunch of little tiny lords that ruled their own little area right next next to their castle there basically until um some people would come in there was in denmark it was this guy named harold bluetooth i believe who was what we named Bluetooth technology after, actually. And he united all of Denmark under him as the king. 
And he actually did, was one of the first Vikings to become a Christian as well. And in Norway, it was this guy named Harold Fairhair who, what he did once he was like a teenager, I think, when he started this crusade basically to take back, to become, make himself the king of all of Norway. He said that he would not cut his hair until he was king of all of Norway. And it took him a very long time, and he finally did eventually conquer all of Norway. And then he shaved his beard and stuff. And his descendants would become some, the first kings of Norway. And the Vikings are directly responsible for the Norman invasion. And because the man who was one of the ancestors of William the Conqueror, who conquered England, was a Viking named Rollo, who came in and did a lot of damage in France. And the French king told him that he would give him a bunch of money if he would stop doing that. But the other um, clause was that he would have had to, he had to convert to Christianity and he would be allowed to keep the land, actually. So he got to keep the land, which was created as the Duchy of Normandy. So he was the Duke of Normandy. And his descendant, William, would conquer England. And it was mostly the Norwegians and the Danish that did that. The Swedish went over east on the Baltic Sea and went into where Russia is now. And they actually founded the first dynasty of Russia. And... Because what they did is they conquered some cities and made a pretty big empire. And they actually tried to take on the Byzantines, some of them. And they got destroyed because of the Greek fire of the Byzantines, which was like this. Basically a fire that no one knows how to make anymore. And it was basically impossible to um, put out. It would burn forever, even underwater, which is kind of crazy. And so the Vikings showed up and then they just burnt all their ships down and they didn't stand a chance. But you got to admire them for trying. Northern Scotland, the island chain there, where he amassed a following and was able to wage a guerrilla campaign against the English and capture several of the castles until the only castle left was was the castle called Stirling Castle, which was the most well-defended castle in England or in Scotland because it was the middle ground between the highlands of Scotland and the lowlands of Scotland. So if you were able to capture that, you would basically have control over Scotland. And what he, he made a deal with the English garrison there that he would fight the English in a battle, or he would need to fight the English in a battle and by us, by I think it was John the Baptist Day. And if the English did not come to fight him in the battle there by St. John the Baptist Day, then the garrison inside of the castle would have to surrender. So the castle garrison agreed to this plan, and they waited for the English to come, which the English king heard about this and prepared his army, and they clashed at the battle. And the Scottish, were when they came up to, near the castle, the Scottish ambushed them and attacked them, forcing them to retreat and make camp for the night, where they were largely unorganized because the lords were fighting with the king over why they had to do this. And then, because they were so unorganized, when the Scottish attacked the next morning, they, the English were unprepared and were completely massacred. And then this guaranteed Scotland's independence for a very long time. And Scotland was independent until Queen Elizabeth I died without any children and King James VI, I believe, of Scotland was the closest living relative and was made king 
James I of England, unifying both countries. Section 8 is going to be some more about Vikings. So, the Vikings were disastrously effective, be most in one way because of the boats that they were using, called Viking longships, which were um, very long and narrow, So, and they would ride very shallow, so they were able to go into the shallow rivers of Europe and sack cities way inland, where they were not even close to expecting this. And... So they were able to use these tactics to even attempt to sack the city of Paris at one point. And they were able to do a lot of stuff. Like, they attempted to get, and so they went to Italy at one point by going all the way around, sacking some cities in Spain, in northern Africa, and in Italy, as well as they were able to discover North America 400 years before, or no, 500 years before Columbus even was born, as well as discovering Greenland and Iceland, even because these ships, not only did could they sail down these small rivers, but they could also sail down, or sail up the wide ocean, the North Atlantic, through harsh weather, and still be fine. And the Vikings were able to basically get themselves everywhere. In fact, the Vikings settled down in places such as England, Scotland, Wales, Ireland, France, Iceland, Greenland. There was actually a group of Vikings who were the personal bodyguards to the Byzantine Empire. They were like his own, like kind of like shock troopers at some points too. He would use them in war as like an elite battalion, like kind of like commandos almost. And like... So, and one of the most famous members of that group was the Harald Hedrara, who tried to conquer England in 1066, only to lose, and then the guy who beat him immediately lost to William the Conqueror. But that guy was really rich, and because when you served with the Byzantine Emperor, you got a lot of money, because that was the only way they could keep the Vikings loyal, was by just giving them a ton of money. Part 9 is going to be about why did um, a lot of the people in the medieval era like follow Christianity so much and like with unwavering support and one of the reasons is because their life was pretty terrible you were most of the people were just like poor farmers who couldn't leave their land because they were serfs which was basically the landlord owned them essentially and all of their children would also be serfs and they could never leave their land. So, some safe to say their lives were not super great. So a lot of them would turn to Christianity because their lives were pretty bad. But they at least could look forward to being able to go to heaven, which sounded pretty nice to them. Considering they were just basically farming all their lives. So, they really looked forward to those teachings and stuff. Because that was really what brought happiness to them in such a hard time. The tenth and final topic is going to be about the Crusades, which the Crusades were a very were a large military activity in the 11th, 12th, and 13th centuries, where 
a lot of Christians decided that they were going to try and take back the Holy Land. And this happened several times because they kept trying. Every time something minor would happen in the Holy Land, they decided, yep, we gotta go do that. The First Crusade was a result of the persecution of Christian pilgrims in Jerusalem. The Second Crusade was a result of one of the Crusader states falling. The Fourth Crusade was the result of some other stuff. And it was a large pattern of something ha would happen in the Holy Land. The Crusaders decided, yep, it's the time to go and do that. And then they would go on an attempt to take back the Holy Land and almost always fail. But they would get a bunch of money along the way. And that's what they were really in for. Because every time the Pope would also say that they would have complete, like, basically that if they went on the crusade, they would get a free pass to heaven, even if they did a bunch of bad stuff. So they would do a bunch of bad stuff and steal and loot a bunch of stuff. And then they would do this all because they thought there's no consequences for them, which, I mean, there probably should have been, but it, there wasn't. And they did this a lot until eventually they realized that it probably wasn't a great idea. And the knights all went back home and fought each other instead of the Muslim armies of the Middle East. History, and I want to leave you with one question. If you were the king of a medieval country, say like England or France, and you were in a large crisis like the Hundred Years' War or another war, what would you be doing and what would your course of action be? Thank you for listening.